Please bow with me in prayer. Father God, we pray that that would indeed be our prayer today. Lord, that we would be satisfied and fully satisfied in Jesus. Lord, and nothing else. We ask that you speak to us now, Lord. Be glorified in us. Be honored in us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The perseverance of the saints. I would imagine that there are various thoughts or reactions to that title represented by the various people in this room this morning. For some of you, anytime you hear the word saints, you probably automatically think of the Catholic Church and their high regard for the Christian saints who have lived before us. Perhaps for others, uh, particularly the more uh, historical or academic type, you probably think of the P in the tulip acrostic uh, that is often associated with followers of the 16th century reformer, John Calvin, especially uh, Presbyterians today. And still for others, the phrase, the perseverance of the saints, fills thoroughly Baptist because it reminds you and is often equated with the saying, once saved, always saved, which Southern Baptists uh, have uh, commonly believed and held dear. But what I mean this morning by the perseverance of the saints is the idea that those that truly recognize and submit to Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, will persevere in their faith until the end. In other words, genuine faith in Christ is lasting faith in Christ. And Jesus taught that truth, I believe, uh, in Scripture. And we're going to see it this morning. We'll see from, from God's Word in Matthew chapter 13 that many will fail to respond to Christ in faith, but there will be genuine believers who persevere to the end. Many will fail to respond to Christ in faith, But there will be genuine believers who persevere until the end. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 as we continue a sermon series that we started last week where we're looking at stories of Christ, looking at parables of Christ, stories that Jesus told. And last week I gave an introductory message to the parables in general, why Jesus taught in this method. And so today we're going to jump right in. We're going to look at one of these stories that Jesus uh, used common, ordinary languages, pictures, illustration in order to communicate incredible spiritual truth. And as I read from Matthew chapter 13, I want you to, to picture in the background on the hillside A farmer sowing his seed. And we don't know that to be the fact, but it very well could have been that while Jesus told this story from a boat and the crowds were up on the the hillside of the Sea of Galilee, that there very well could have been a farmer in the background sowing seeds, which, which presented the image then for Jesus to use to communicate this truth. So imagine you're there this morning and You're listening 
to Jesus, the Son of God, the divine storyteller, say these words. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus tells this story about a farmer, a sower, who scattered seed and it landed on four different types of soil. And then a little bit later, he, he explained this parable, the story, the meaning of it to his disciples. So skip down to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall Away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Jesus tells this story in the context of a large crowd. The two verses prior to to this passage, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, tell us that, that Jesus told this story at the height of his ministry. That the crowds were were following him, were gathering around him, pressing in on him so much so that, that he stepped back into a boat in order to teach the crowds. And the picture that I have in my mind is sort of like country music enthusiasts at a George Strait concert or the baby boomer generation at a Beatles concert or today's middle schoolers at a Justin Bieber concert where fans are trying to get as close as possible to the stage because they want to be near the star They want to be in the presence of the star. And this is what's happening at this point in the ministry and the life of Jesus. The crowds are attracted to him. They're drawn to him. So much so that they crowd in around him because they don't want to miss anything spectacular that he might say or that he might do. It's at that point in his ministry that Jesus stands back and he He thanks the crowds for being there and for all of their support. And then he begins to tell them about how if they'll 
only stand united together, that he'll be their hero and he'll use them to change the world. No? Actually, that's not, that's not what he said here. Perhaps this would have been the place to, to rally the crowd together in support of him and his message and what he was about, similar to what we see at political rallies today. But no, this is the opportunity that Jesus then took to tell a story about how many of them, most of them, were failing to recognize the word of God as it was spoken and taught through him. Talk about killing the mood. Talk about bringing the momentum to a halt. Jesus, the crowds are for you. They're drawn to you. They're amazed by you. And and you step back and you tell them a story about how they're not getting it. And Jesus did that because he was concerned with communicating the truth. The truth of God. And the truth is that many fail to respond with biblical faith to the word of God. Many fail to respond with biblical faith to the word of God. Jesus tells this story, this parable of a sower who scattered seed. And we're told in Jesus' explanation that this seed, verse 18, is the message of the kingdom. The message about the kingdom, that is the kingdom of God. And in Luke's account of this same story and explanation, Luke chapter 8, he says that the seed is the word of God. And the message about the kingdom of God is the same as the word of God. It's the message about the rule and the reign of God as it is carried out through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus tells a story about a sower scattering the seed, scattering the word of God. And it lands on different types of soil, four different types of soil. And the first three types of soil represent hearers that failed to respond with biblical faith to the message. Three of the four represent a lack of biblical faith among the crowds, among the masses. And the first of these represents those that are hardened to the truth. Some are hardened to the truth. I told in verse 4 that as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path or the walkway, and the birds came and ate it up. This is, this is the path of the walkway that was through the field or around the field, the area that was constantly trampled down by feet. And as a result, the ground underneath it was a hard, impenetrable surface. If you've ever planted any kind of seed, and chances are nearly everyone here has at some point in your life, whether it's outside or in a classroom, in a cup, or in the windowsill, but you know that unless a seed breaks the surface of the soil, it's not going to grow. And if it's outside, it's not going to be but a short matter of time before a bird comes by and recognizes it as a quick and easy snack. And so Jesus tells this story, speaks of this particular type of soil to represent those that are hardened to the truth. Those that, that hear the word of God and have no desire to understand it, no desire to be convicted or challenged by it. Perhaps they're hardened and shut 
shut off by the word of God out of, out of fear or arrogance or have no desire. We, we don't know. It could be any, any number of reasons, but any way we look at it, these are, these are those hearers of the word of God that, that are not interested in the truth. They're hardened to the truth. And so the truth of the word of God never penetrates the surface of their hearts. And then Jesus went on to describe another type of soil. Verse 5, he said, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, rocky soil during the first century in Palestine where Jesus walked and taught is not referring to soil that was covered up in lots of little stones. The picture would have been a thin layer of soil that was covering a shelf of rock. And that thin layer of soil, there was not enough moisture, not enough depth for roots, not enough nourishment to withstand the the heat and the dryness of certain periods of the year. Some of you men, no doubt, have used a post hole digger. Perhaps some of you women as well used a post hole digger at some point in your life. And you got ready to dig a hole. And I know this probably never happened to you. And it definitely has never happened to me. I would never make this mistake, especially not recently when I was putting a new basketball goal in the ground. But you raised a post hole digger. You raised those handles high in the air, and then you thrust them down at the ground's surface only to feel an excruciating pain jolt through your shoulders as your post hole digger came to a screeching halt because there was a large rock hiding just under the earth's surface. And this is like the ground that It's over a a rocky place. No depth. No place for the roots to take hold. And it represents those that have shallow understanding. Some are hardened to the truth of the word of God. Others have shallow understanding. And Jesus in his explanation of this particular type of hearer said that they were... They were those that perhaps responded initially with joy and excitement. And they went away and their faith didn't last. When they faced persecution or hardship because of the word of God, they quickly abandoned the faith. It took no real root in their lives. So Jesus is saying that there are some in the world that respond initially with excitement when they hear the truth. And we might very well mistake them for genuine believers in Him. And yet their faith makes no real impact. Their faith doesn't last. And this is the type of faith that, that we read about in Ezekiel. That Ezekiel faced in Ezekiel chapter 33 when When God said to the prophet Ezekiel, My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, 
But their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 31 and 32. This is also the kind of faith that that James described in James chapter 2, verse 17, when he said, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. If you believe that there is one God good, even the demons believe that. And shudder. So there are some that on first appearance or on outward appearance seem to to have faith through the proclamation of the Word of God, through hearing the Word of God and, and the message of God, but the faith doesn't take root. It bears no fruit, no lasting impact on their lives. And right here, I believe that implicit in what Jesus is saying, there's a warning against a very quick response to the Word of God. A warning against a quick response to the Word of God. An initial excitement about the truth without fully understanding what it is that you're signing up for. And this has a lot of potential application for us in a church culture culture in which we're often quick to to prod people, to prod children and others into making a decision, perhaps before they understand what it is they're doing. We need to be careful as the people of God that believe in the Word of God and believe in the message of God that we allow the Spirit of God to be the one who works through the Word of God to ultimately call and to convict and to impact hearers with the gospel of God before we're too quick to step back and count somebody as safely and eternally secure in the arms of God. Let's be sure that we communicate the gospel and the full gospel and allow God to be the one who who calls people to, to himself through it. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't spend a lot of time talking people into following him? In fact, if anything, he seemed at times to to be talking people out of following him. Because perhaps they didn't understand what it is he was asking them to do. Turn back in your Bibles just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, talking about himself, a reference to himself, has no place to lay his head. In other words, don't be so quick to say you're going to follow me because The road of following me is not always one of comfort and leisure. 
Verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. Certainly sounds like harsh words, direct words from Jesus. But what Jesus was saying is, if you're going to follow me, I must be of first importance. I must be of primary importance. And everything else is secondary. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said this to his listeners. Whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. In other words, following Jesus Christ is affects your life. And it means that He is He is first. He is central. He is of primary importance. He is Lord and everything else falls in line after that. The process of dying to yourself daily in order to submit to Christ. Many fail to respond with biblical faith to the Word of God. Some because they're hardened to to the truth, others because their understanding is shallow, and still others because they're distracted by the cares of the world. Some are distracted by the cares of the world. Look back at Matthew chapter 13, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Skip down to verse 22, Jesus' explanation. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word... But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. In other words, in this soil, which represents a third type of hearer, who still doesn't respond with biblical faith to the word of God, in this particular soil, maybe it's cultivated, maybe the ground is is turned over, the soil looks clean, but there is still the seed of weeds and the seed of thorns buried under the soil. Things that represent other cares and distractions of the world that in time take precedence over one's commitment to the one who created the world, the Savior, the Lord, Jesus Christ. So these thorns, these weeds represent other distractions of the world. and The one who is ultimately overtaken by the cares and distractions of the world. It doesn't have lasting faith, never had lasting faith, never had genuine faith in Christ to begin with, never recognized truly that He is Lord and He is Lord of all, Lord of everything, Lord of your life. As a result, He gets crowded out by all these other things. Whether it be, like Jesus said here, wealth and riches or worries, Pursuit of success and fame and popularity or entrenchment in a particular hobby or desire or sports or whatever. Perhaps good things, but worldly things that will snuff out spiritual life if Christ is not given primary importance in life. So the first three types of soil represent here is that do not respond with biblical faith, lasting faith in the Son of God. Thankfully, there is a fourth 
type of soil mentioned in this parable as well. Look back at verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Verse 23, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Many fail to respond with biblical faith to the word of God, but others do respond with biblical faith to the word of God, producing abundant fruit. Others do respond with biblical faith to the Word of God, producing abundant fruit. This soil is receptive. It's not covered up with bad seed. It's not overtaken with other distractions and cares of the world. And it has enough room for deep roots get nourishment and water to last through difficult times. And this represents the, the hearers who, who hear and understand and accept the Word of God and who re- retain a commitment to Jesus Christ, the one who the Word of God is about. A lasting commitment to Him Genuine faith in Him and genuine faith in Christ is lasting faith. It lasts, it perseveres to the end. And Jesus taught here that these particular hearers and responders produce an abundant crop. Some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. In other words, These ones, the faithful, the ones that respond with genuine faith in Christ, aren't characterized by a dead faith that is overtaken by other cares of the world. They're characterized by a living faith that produces fruit, a crop, an abundance. And notice that even some more than others, but even those that produce a smaller crop are still counted as good. Others respond with biblical faith to the Word of God, producing abundant fruit. And many will fail to respond to Christ in faith. But there will be genuine believers who persevere to the end. You might agree I hope you do. You might agree with that statement. But is it just a nice summary statement or biblical principle based off this story for us? Where does it intersect with our lives? Every time we read or study or proclaim the Word of God, it's not simply just to come up with summary beliefs about God, it's also to ask the question, how does this apply to me? Where does this meet my life? So two applications for us. The first is a warning. A warning to examine your heart before God. 
Examine your heart before God. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that this story, that this parable is for someone else. No, it's for us. It's for anyone who hears it. Where where do you fit into this story? What kind of soil are you? Have you been receptive to the Word of God as it has entered your life? Have you responded with genuine faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and Savior of the world? Jesus taught that that many who initially respond with what appears to be faith in Him do not have genuine faith in Him. Back up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus teaching in this famous Sermon on the Mount beginning in verse 17. Penetrating words from the lips of Christ. He says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. In other words, it's the way that you, that you live. It's the way that I live that reveals whether or not we have genuine faith in Christ. It's not the way that we live that saves us. We know that salvation is only by grace through faith in Christ. The genuine faith in Christ affects the way that we live. And then Jesus went on to say in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Reflect on the word of God for your life today. Men and women, Boys and girls, examine your heart before God today. Have you responded with genuine faith to the Word of God, to the Gospel of God, to the message of the kingdom, the message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? What is your assurance of salvation in? Is it in church attendance? Or some words that you repeated or an aisle you walked? Or is it in Jesus Christ? Have you and are you trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation? Because only Jesus saves. What kind of soil are you? Are you hardened? Are you rocky? Or 
are you responsive? Receiving the truth. Firstly, for us, we see a warning in this parable to, to examine our own hearts before God. I think we also find encouragement for us in this parable, encouragement for the people of God and those that, that have examined their heart and, and realized and recognized that they have indeed responded with genuine faith to Jesus Christ have a desire to obey Christ, to follow Christ, to live for Christ. God's word is clear that that should bear an impact on the way that every single one of us live our lives. And Jesus calls us to follow him and to make other disciples, other followers of him by spreading his message. And I believe that the truth found right here in Matthew chapter 13 is also encouragement for those of us that know Christ to proclaim the gospel of God relentlessly. To proclaim the gospel of God relentlessly. Now a farmer does, doesn't fail to scatter his seed, doesn't fail to sow his seed because he knows that some of it will be wasted. And the same thing ought to be true for us as we seek to be Followers of Christ that scatter the seed of Christ, that scatter the word of God, that proclaim the message of the kingdom. Recognizing that many will fail to respond with biblical faith. Based on the stories Jesus taught, the words that he taught, many will not respond with biblical faith. But some will. Some will respond with biblical faith. and Some will respond with lasting faith. Just because we don't see fruit right away, just because we don't see a response, an appropriate response of faith to the gospel of God, doesn't mean that that we're doing something wrong. Doesn't mean that we're not being obedient. Doesn't mean that we're failing to spread the right message. Many will reject the truth. But some will respond with biblical faith. And out of that some, there will be an abundant harvest. So proclaim the gospel relentlessly, knowing that God will use you, and God will use me, and God will use others who are faithful to Him to produce an abundant crop. Many will fail to respond to Christ in faith. But there will be genuine believers who persevere to the end. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this time. We're grateful for your word. Lord, I pray that that your word has been proclaimed rightly and clearly this morning. Lord, I pray that it would be your word that we remember as we leave this place today that it will be through your word that you continually drawing us back to yourself to examine our own faith before you and to recognize that our assurance of salvation is through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that your word would, would stick with us 
that we would love it, that we would cherish it, that we'd be convicted by it, but Lord, that we'd be drawn back to you through it. And as a result of faithfulness to you, that we would then desire to faithfully scatter your word, spread your word, day by day, week by week, year by year, throughout the world, knowing that you will use us as you see fit to be your messengers, to be your agents, to eventually see an abundant crop. Lord, I ask that you would move among us this morning, Lord, that you would cause all of us to respond to you and to your word. Lord, that you would be glorified in us. Lord, I pray that for the people of God, that today would be a day of celebration, of rejoicing, of thanksgiving because of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. May you be glorified in us now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.